Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Ford Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Pardee, and today we're going to be recapping a wild NFL Week 2 and then looking forward to NFL Week 3's Thursday night football matchup between the Browns and the Steelers. So, let's get right on into it. Alright, so we're just going to jump right on to, into the games, and how I'm going to do the episodes going forward is I'm just going to give three major takeaways from each game. Um... Maybe more, maybe less. Actually, definitely not less, but a couple of games I did do like one extra one just because I'm like, okay, I want to get one last little thing in there. But yeah, so starting this off with one of the many crazy comeback efforts, we had the Dolphins beating the Ravens 42 to 38. Um, double L on my part. I thought that the Ravens would win and cover, so I was wrong. Um, first major takeaway I have from this game is Tua can execute this offense. Not like perfectly, but... Especially like in the first half, he wasn't perfect, two interceptions, but that second half, he really came alive, got the ball in the hands of his playmakers. He has enough arm to get it downfield. Like, yeah, it's not always the prettiest. He did underthrow Tyreek Hill on one of those touchdowns, but he's good enough at executing the system where this can all work together and we can see these amazing performances because, man, these wide receivers, all this speed is extra dangerous, especially late game when the defense is getting tired. And if these guys, good conditioning, keep on trucking just as fast, just as hard as they have been the entire game, then yeah, defenses aren't going to be able to step up. And speaking of stepping up, the Ravens secondary really has to be better than that. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, not Marshawn, uh, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters are supposed to be one of the best corner duos in the whole league. And they did not look like it this week. And they missed all of last season with injuries coming back. You hope that they could have bounce back. Um, yeah, did not look like it this week, and they got to do better going forward. They've been one of the worst pass defenses over the past like half year. A lot of that was put on because of injuries, but hopefully like these injuries aren't going to limit them going forward. Now that they're healthy, they should be playing better than how they did this weekend. And then Lamar Jackson, he he's still him. Despite this score not ending how they wanted it to, he just was incredible as both a passer and a runner. Um, he really only made one major mistake, I thought, as a passer, which was when he threw what should have been pick six to Xavier Howard. Other than that, like he was on target, decisive with the ball all day, and you you know him as a rushing threat, just incredible, breaking Michael Vick's record for most 100-yard rushing games in a career. Second up, we got the Jets going to the Browns, another crazy comeback victory. Browns up 13 with less than two minutes to go, but the Jets still come back and win 31 to 30. Um, I was incorrect. I thought the Browns would win, but I did get the Jets covering right. Uh, I'm not worried about this Browns offense, even with Brissett in it. They still were able to put up 30 points. And yeah, the Jets defense is not that good, despite it being coached by Robert Salah. Um, but Brissett was there. He played pretty great, I thought, honestly. He was extending plays with his legs and keeping his eyes downfield. Um, Cooper, he also played great. He had the upper hand in the matchup versus Sauce, even getting a touchdown. Sauce was credited with it. It looked like it was kind of like a defensive miscommunication. It looked like he wanted to hand him off and because he just was nowhere near Coop. I don't think he just got shook that badly, but yeah, Sauce giving up his first touchdown already. Um, it's nice to see, though, that this Browns offense is able to be, use the number one because there was a bit of a question about it last year with just the inability to get OBJ rolling with this offense, and maybe it was a bit more Baker than we thought. Um, 
Garrett and Clowney also looked incredible for the Browns today. 11 pressures and two sacks combined. This Jets offensive line is a real worry right now with injuries along it and then the guys st- uh, who are supposed to be coming in and stepping up just not being able to do it. They have gone against a couple pretty good pass rushes so far, so maybe when they the level of competition goes down, maybe they'll be like at least like average, but so far they do not look good and Zach Wilson's just gonna get eaten alive when they get when he gets back. But speaking of Wilson, I just can't wait to see when Wilson gets back and what this whole Jets team and this Jets offense more specifically will look like. Uh, Flacco definitely left some meat on the bones in this game, missing Garrett Wilson on a couple big throws and other wide receivers too. Um, he can't create it with his legs the same way Zach Wilson is able to and like navigate the pockets in the same way. Um, but Zach Wilson obviously had a lot of problems in his first year as a starting quarterback as a rookie. Uh, hopefully he's going to be able to take a step up in year two. He had the whole training camp. He bulked up, got stronger, got bigger. Um, didn't prevent him from getting injured, sadly. But hopefully when he comes back, he can be at least like average. And I think this offense can be pretty good if he's average or even anything better than that, you know. Moving on to the Commanders, taking on the Lions. Uh, the Lions winning 36-27. to Double win by me. I had the Lions covering the spread and winning. Uh, The Lions offense is built on big plays, which I wasn't really expecting, but I'm loving to see it. And I'm really excited to see when Williams is integrated in. Jamison Williams, the rookie first-round pick. Uh, This Lions offensive line might be the best in the league, too. Like, they were just... Commanders couldn't even touch um, Jared Goff. And they were missing three of their starters along the interior. So kind of crazy that this tackle duo, like I don't know if this is just the tackle duo elevating the interior guys, good coaching, combination, great depth, just whatever it is, they're doing it right. And yeah, exciting, exciting team to be watching right now. Um, Also exciting on the other side of the ball, Aiden Hutchinson had his first big game, six pressures, three sacks, this whole Lions defensive line. um, The Lions on both sides of the ball were just dominating the commanders, like the offensive line holding off the defensive line, and then the Lions defensive line just destroying the commanders' offensive line. And lastly, um, Jack Doville's got to go, the commanders' defensive coordinator. I always feel like his defense has underperformed since his times in Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville for the Broncos, for the Raiders, now here with the commanders. They always have so much talent, or not even always, definitely not the Raiders, um, but they have the talent, and for a defensive-minded guy, he doesn't really ever have a good defense. Um, when Chase Young gets back to this team, there should it should be better, and this will be one of the most talented rosters, I think, at least defensively, but it's coached by someone who doesn't get the best out of his players, and that's a major red flag that I don't think the Lions are going to be a good defense until they get rid of Del Rio. Moving on to the Colts at the Jaguars, 24 to nothing. Jaguars beating the Colts. Wow, did not see that one coming. Um, I did have the Jags covering and winning, but I thought the Colts would at least like do something offensively. Um, it was a hell of a game, though. I don't want to take that away from the Jacksonville defense, especially Josh Allen. Four pressures, two stacks, including a strip sack. Um, this off or this defensive line of the Jags were just getting after the Colts. And surprising because the Colts for a while had a really strong offensive line, but Braden Smith doesn't look the same this year. You got um, Matt Pryor on left tackle, backup guy. And yeah, it's really becoming a weakness, and 38-year-old Matt Ryan isn't able to do anything behind it. 
on the other side of the ball for the Colts, this pass rush was non-existent. There was four total pressures for the entire team. Um, to put that in perspective, there was 34 pressures or 34 individual players going into the Monday night football games. I didn't get the numbers on those yet. Um, but there were 34 different players averaging four a game, four pressures a game through the first two weeks, which is just how? How do you have such like the Jags O-line is all right. Like I didn't, I don't see it as a strength. You have a unique Ngakwe. You got um, Quiddy Pay for the Colts. You have DeForest Buckner. Like those guys, one of those guys should be getting four pressures alone. Like maybe not all of them, but like at least like two or three out of each of them, you know? I was just like astounded, especially with Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator. He was a huge part of scheming up Max Crosby and Unique Ngakwe to have those monster seasons last year, getting all the stunts and not using blitzes, but using just like crossing linemen to confuse the offensive line and get them pretty easy looks at getting pressures. And then this Colts team in general, I think, just needs more talent. They need playmakers all over, offensively, defensively. Um, they were without their top two wide receivers tonight, and that really showed. Um, Doolin was their leading receiver with like 70-something yards. Just not a good showing by them. Jonathan Taylor did like nothing. Very surprising about that. He's supposed to be the guy that they're able to lean on offensively. And then on the defensive side of the ball, without Shaquille Leonard, just everything looked lost, dysfunctional. Um, Trevor Lawrence was just picking them apart. And then this is one of the games where I wanted to include just one more thing. Christian Kirk is proving us all along so far. Uh, 195 yards, two touchdowns. He's having a hell of a season, and that's great for him. Like, keep it up, man. You earned your bag, and now shut everyone up about it. All right, then we have the Buccaneers taking on the Saints, beating them 20-10. to 10. Um, It's a double loss on my part as well. Was predicting the Saints to be able to cover and win, but... This matchup was between two of the best defenses in the league. They have playmakers on both sides on all three levels of the ball. Um, this game was more so, I think, good defense than bad offense. Like, yeah, the offense obviously wasn't good, but yeah, this de these defenses were just winning at every asset of the game until at least Winston was in the fourth quarter, and then I think that just did become bad offense. Uh, Winston needs to be better. That's my second point. He was inaccurate all day, and he turned the ball over four times in a game that they were really in until he did that. If it weren't for the Falcons, like, falconing away their win week one and Winston having that huge fourth quarter, this offense would be seriously concerning. Um, other than Michael Thomas, which is my third point, he feels back. He was making some really nice plays against a good secondary. Like, yeah, he's not having the monster numbers that he did earlier in his career, but... That probably is the lame on Jameis Winston going from Brees to Winston. That's obviously you're just not going to produce as much. Um, he was a big reason why this offense was really able to move at all. And it's kind of it's exciting to see a player who was out of the league practically for two years come back and still be a dominant force. Then we have the Panthers taking on the Giants uh, within a 16-19 to 19 effort. Giants coming out on top. Another double L by me. I thought the Panthers were able to, or going to be able to bounce back. Um, although the Giants are now 2-0, I am still very skeptical about their chances in January. Uh, another very poor offensive performance. They've scored 19 and 21 points. Saquon, he played good, but not great. Kenny Gallandet is 
a bench player now. Like I think he got like two snaps or something. And Daniel Jones is like maybe the 25th best quarterback at best. Um, especially after the Titans collapse against the Bills on Monday night. Uh, the Giants have beaten two bad teams. Like They're going to need a lot to do a lot more to... They might be able to make the playoffs, but if they make the playoffs, I, I see it going as like the Eagles did last year. Like I think the Eagles were a better team last year than the Giants are this year, but the Eagles like came in and then just got wiped by the Bucks. And the Giants managed to sneak in good on them, but I don't think that they're going to be able to make any noise unless they seriously start producing on offense. Um, I did think, though, that O'Shane Zimenez had another really nice game, and I wonder how their edge rotation is going to be when Thibodeau and Ojolari are back. It's going to be three quality edge rushers that they're going to be able to rotate in and out. I wonder if they'll be, get all three of them on the field at the same time. I'm sure they will just because, like, NASCAR packages and stuff get your best guys out there. Um, but that's an exciting piece that, like, I didn't really see emerging on this team. Like, I thought they'd have an all right pass rush just because they're two prominent outside guys and now they have three of those guys it's like okay that's could be a pretty nice defensive pass rush and then last thing is will the panthers ever be able to find a quarterback because baker mayfield isn't showing to be him so far he had a 48 percent completion percentage this game and only five yards per attempt how late in the season are we going to be until we can no longer be saying like oh we still learned the offense he'll get that chip on his shoulder soon and just pop off. Like, when are we going to realize that Baker Mayfield isn't going to be the Panthers' starting quarterback of the future and he might be throwing away his last chance to start in the NFL already, which is sad to see from someone who was so talented, who overcame all these odds, and now it's like, okay. So what have you done for me lately, League? And he's done nothing lately. They were the Patriots going, taking on the Steelers, winning 17-14. to 14, Another double L on my part. I promise it gets better from here. Um, just the Patriots were able to come out on top on a really ugly performance from both of these offenses. Um, starting with the Steelers, I feel like they're built backwards on offense. Um, like You see a lot of teams, they want to build through the trenches first, get a strong quarterback to put behind that, and get him some weapons to build around. But the Steelers... They have good weapons. They have good wide receivers and running back, but they don't have a good offensive line at all. We saw this today in effect. Mitchell Trubisky under pressure all day, and yeah, they don't have a good quarterback. It's Mitchell Trubisky. Um, really poor performance on his end once again. I feel like we're going to see Kenny Pickett sooner rather than later. And on the other side of the ball, also a poor day for Mac Jones. Just when we going to get last year's version early last year's versions of mac jones again is that guy gone is it the offense being complicated matt Patricia just effing things up ruining the flow like what's going on there in new england's offense are they going to be able to get it to click soon do they just go against like a good pittsburgh defense and next week against this uh the ravens often or defense which looked really shaky this week against the dolphins are they going to be able to like course correct and get back on track or is Mac Jones, have we already seen his stealing? And that was the worry about him coming out of college, that he was this topped-out quarterback who was going to be good but couldn't really elevate much beyond what he currently is. And then lastly, I thought the Patriots O-line had a really good day overall after a pretty poor performance week one against the Dolphins. They got off on a good foot this week. The Steelers are really missing the presence of T.J. Watt already. I think that showing um, 
We'll see if that shows up again when the Steelers play the Browns on Thursday. But as of right now, I'm kind of concerned about the Steelers' pass rush, even though I thought it had some nice pieces still with Cam Hayward and Alex Highsmith specifically. All right, moving on, we got the Falcons at the Rams, 27-31. Um, the Falcons almost pulling off the reverse 28-3, but double win by me. I was correct, the Rams won, but the Falcons still covered. London is already looking like the real deal. Um, first round pick, eighth overall, Drake London, taken by the Falcons this year. He's producing in each game. He's being the number one receiver on this team that really needs one, especially with Kyle Pitts just not being anywhere to be found right now. Um, definitely hope that we start seeing a bit more of Pitts because he's a really dynamic weapon for this offense. But it's nice to see that Drake London stepping up in his place. Second, Cooper Cup might just be the best receiver in the league. Um, we aren't. We normally don't. Or he hasn't really been in that conversation recently because he's not like the biggest guy. He's not the fastest. He doesn't win deep. But he wins so consistently short underneath with the ball in his hands. And he is a lot stronger than people give him credit for. He's an amazing blocker. He's the most complete receiver. And he's the most consistent too. Like Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown. Um, who else really went off week one? I can't remember who else. But those guys all didn't really show up as much week two. There was another name I wanted to get in there. I'm sorry. But yeah, a lot of... The uh, Jamar Chase, he also didn't have as good of a week two. A lot of these number one receivers that we're talking about in that conversation, they were great week one, not as good week two. Coop, Cooper Cup just always produces week in, week out, just no matter who, like the entire team knows he's getting the ball. That's all the Rams did week one. And week two, they did it again, and it worked. Um, yeah, so Cooper Cup, wide receiver one, like he won the triple crown last year, and he could very much do it again. Then my third takeaway is the Falcons pass rush is still a problem. Um, it looked good week one. I was excited about it. But this week, they only totaled six pressures. Um, Grady Jarrett was mostly neutralized. Um, Arnold Abiketti didn't really do much at all. Their rookie second round pick. Uh, they totaled six pressures, which only two more than the Colts. But still, like, if it weren't for the Colts, definitely would have been by far the lowest of this week. And... Definitely a concerning thing, seeing how poor the Rams' offensive line looked last week, that the Ram or the Falcons couldn't do anything against them this week. Right, then we have the Seahawks sticking on the Niners, losing 7-27. to um, I got the winner right in the Niners, but I did think that the Seahawks were covered, which they clearly didn't. Um, terrible, terrible, terrible what happened to Trey Lance. But now it's Jimmy's team again, and they really seem to rally around him. Um, I don't know what it is. Just whenever Jimmy's on the field, everyone loves him. He's a great personality. All the players just get behind him. You really saw it when that quarterback sneak resulted in a touchdown. After that, it popped up. Everyone's hugging him, typing on the helmet. They looked, he still looks like their leader. They still treat him like the leader. And maybe not for the future of the franchise, this is good. But at least for right now, he's someone they can rally behind and say whatever you want about Jimmy. He's maybe the 20th best quarterback at best. But he knows how to win with this team. He knows how to execute this offense just enough to win games. And yeah, will he, will this team still be a, in Super Bowl contention? I think so. Will they be able to win it? Uh, I'm more iffy about, but at least Jimmy will keep with them in the conversation. And then Nick Bosa ate today. Uh, he went against the young developing offensive linemen in Seattle, like Charles Cross, Abe Lucas. Cross actually played pretty well. It was mostly Lucas he was getting the better of. But... 
yeah, another great day by Bosa, and he's firmly cementing himself as one of the top edge rushers in the league. I feel like after his ACL injury, people just kind of forgot about him, even though he had like 15 and a half sacks last year. He wasn't really in the conversation as one of the top tier edge rushers, but he is. He's phenomenal, and today was just another day of him showing that. And then lastly, this Seahawks squad is so full of talent and potential, and you can see it. Um, it's just going to take some time to get unlocked, and they're going to suck until then. Uh, but I really like the pieces that they have along their secondary offensive line, and then their wide receivers, of course, are already established studs. But the secondary, they got Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson. These guys all, at least, like, I feel pretty confident one or two of them are going to turn out to be stars um, just with their physical gifts and already starting and showing some promising tape. They just need to develop better technique, especially Tariq Wollin needs to be a bit less grabby. This offensive line, two young guys who have all the potential at to be their bookend tackles for the next couple of years. And then, yeah, the wide receivers, as I said, are already really established. And they have a couple of nice building blocks. They just need to get the rest of the roster in around them and then these guys to develop and grow together. We have the Bengals taking on the Cowboys, one of the more surprising games of the week, 17 to 20. Um, I was incorrect. I thought the Bengals would cover and win, but yeah, the Cowboys were able to be the underdogs and step up big. Um, speaking of stepping up big, Noah Brown, he's really producing in the absence of Gallup and Washington, and then with the departure of Cedric Wilson and Amari Cooper. Um, really seems like Dallas just like turns these guys out. Like Cedric Wilson last year, Michael Gallup, he was like a third round pick. Um, obviously, Cooper was a first round pick and then traded for a first. And then C.D. Lamb also is a first-round pick. But Dallas has a thing for making and fostering environments for good receivers, and it's showing up again here with Noah Brown. Then this Bengals offensive line is definitely a problem, um, especially going against Micah Parsons, who looks like the defensive player of the year front runner right now. But Burrow definitely invites some of this pressure. He holds on to the ball for too long, and I think he definitely can work on his pocket navigation skills, like especially one play. I don't... Honestly, I'm sorry, I don't remember when it was in the game, but he rolls out left when there was all this space to the right, and it seemed like the wide receivers were flowing to the right. I don't know why he went out to the left, because that's where all the defense was. Um, I've, I'm hoping there's more to be seen on that play. It was just a very confusing thing. So, yes, this offensive line needs to be better, and especially with all the investment that they put into it. But Burrow has got to do a better job at not putting his offense line in compromising situations and taking sacks unnecessarily and third point here is tony pollard is the best running back in dallas um i feel like most people have known for this for a while and this was just another game that showed it um, the whole world feels like i know like i feel like the whole world knows this by now but everyone but the cowboys like zeke zeke is past his prime like pollard's more explosive he seems faster um, Zeke is a really good run block or um, pass protector, so maybe that's why they keep him in a bit more. But Zeke, or yeah, Zeke wasn't able to generate the same explosive plays that Pollard was this game, and it's been that way for a few years now. So they really need to start giving Tony Pollard as the number one back, giving him more touches, more carries, and then using Zeke as a complementary piece, kind of like Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon split, you know. 
Speaking of that, let's go into the Texans at the Broncos. Broncos are coming away as victors in the 16-9 bout. Um, correct guesses by me in both the win and the Texans be, still being able to cover. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, he's on a fast track for being a one-and-done head coach. They're... This offense is supremely talented across the board, and yet it scored 16 points in back-to-back games against really poor defenses that they outgained yardage-wise, like incredibly. Like they had great, good offensive performances uh, yardage, but just couldn't get the points on the board. Um, Russell Wilson has looked bad so far. Surprising, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, still in like 30 in his early 30s. And then the game management stuff, like everyone saw the Broncos counting down the clock because there's so many delayed game penalties the Broncos fans I should say chanting throughout the whole stadium making sure that this team got the ball snapped in time like you never see that um and the decision to punt it instead of kicking a 58 yard field goal like that was very weird last week you decided to kick a 64 yard field goal in Seattle instead of going forward on fourth down. But then this week you decide to punt the ball instead of kicking a 58-yard field goal in Denver with McManus, who has kicked that far before. I don't know. There's an, Hackett's got to turn around fast. Maybe he's just some guy who's better as a coordinator than coach. There's a lot of guys like that. And he's looking like he's one of those guys so far. The second point is you can see all the potential with Derek Stingley, the third overall pick from this year's draft, a cornerback for the Texans. But this week, the ball skills just weren't there, uh, which is very surprising because that's what he thrived at at LSU was like being able to flip his hips, locate the ball, break it up, or punch it out the wide receiver's hands. Um, but most of the catches he allowed tonight, he was right there in coverage, but he couldn't locate the ball and force it incomplete, or he'd get too grabby with the receiver and get flagged. And third point is, I still don't think that Mills is the future here in Houston, but Maybe it's not even entirely his fault. They need to get more weapons for him in this offense, um, whether it's for him or the next guy. Collins did step up a bit more this game. It was nice to see he had about 50 yards, especially late in the game, trying to make something happen. But they needed to get more out of him and Cooks. Like They combined for just over 100 yards, and no one else really stepped up to be a playmaker for them. And then the last of the non-primetime games, we have the Cardinals at the Raiders in a heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss. Man, that was tough to watch in person. 29 to 23, the Raiders were up 20 to nothing at half. Um, incorrect by me. I thought the Raiders were going to win and cover. It looked like they would for a while, but this is why you pay Kyler. He was sloppy in the first half. There's no getting around it. But he elevated the entire team. He created this win single-handedly. Um, he was playing both against the Raiders and the Cardinals coaching staff, it felt like, and the offensive line. Max Crosby was getting after it the whole time. But Kyler was able to navigate pressure, find open receivers, hit them in target. Hit Just an incredible performance by Kyler Murray. And he's the reason why teams are not teams that actually are going to win Super Bowls, they aren't settling for Derek Carr. They aren't settling for Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, these middling quarterbacks who's like, okay, yeah, you can win games. I'd even, I'd even put Dak Prescott in that tier, honestly. I don't think that this style of quarterback that doesn't elevate 
is going to be able to win games because you aren't going to be perfect as a play caller. And eventually it's going to come down to you need your guy to make a play or else their guy's going to make a play. We saw that last year with Chiefs Bills. Um, and then the next week, Joe Burrow stepped up and made plays. And yeah, Kyler Murray is showed this game why you need an elite quarterback to win in the NFL. And then my second point is this Raiders offensive line, I thought, played pretty average. Um, maybe not good, but like they only gave up one sack, not too many pressures. They um, even last week against the the Chargers, like a lot of people were like, oh, Cleo Mack, revenge game. He went off like, yes, he did. He had three sacks um, or maybe it was just two. But either way, he was in the backfield the whole time. And yeah. Khalil Mack won, but I thought the rest of the offensive line really held up that game too, and a lot of the sacks were on Derek Carr holding the ball too long, and this week, um, only one sack, as I said, and Carr was getting out the ball out a lot faster, so this offensive line played pretty well, and I think that they could honestly be pretty average, and could this could be a good sign for the Raiders moving forward if they can get their freaking coaching figured out and Derek Carr figured out, then this could be a good offense. Which is surprising because I thought the offensive line would be the thing holding them back, not Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr. Um, it could just be, though, that the Cardinals were one of the worst pass rushers in the league, and they still did get after the Raiders a bit. So something to still keep an eye on. But I think the Raiders don't have the worst offensive line in the league anymore, so that's a good thing for them. Um, but my third takeaway from this game is, man, that was a terrible display of coaching by the Raiders. Um, they hardly ran the ball in the second half. It was a 24-second three-and-out in the fourth quarter when they were up the 16 points. And it's like, why? Like, why Why not run the ball? Josh Jacobs was having a pretty good game. Like, I think he averaged like 3.6 yards per carry. I don't know why. I thought he was averaging more than that. But went back and looked at it and said, okay, only 3.6. But still, like, giving the ball at least once, like, giving to him on, third, on first down, at least some clock like that. Um, there was another time later in the quarter. They punted with eight seconds left on the clock. The Cardinals ended up scoring that game-tying touchdown with five seconds on the clock when they snapped it. So, like, I still think that they, they probably just would have, like, called what they called on fourth down on third down and set on that play or whatever. But still, there was – the Raiders kept leaving time on the clock, and that's obviously <laughs> led to this incredible comeback. And they also, on the two-point conversion, where Kyler scrambled around for 20 seconds, and it was – 84 y yards or whatever in the backfield. Max Crosby and Chandler Jones weren't blitzing. They won the field, but they were back in coverage. It's like, what's that about? Like, you have two of the best pass rushers in the league, and you aren't going to have them get after the quarterback in a key situation? That's, I don't know. This Raiders coaching staff's got to do better. Josh McDaniels was a failed head coach once before, and it's not looking so good for him in round number two. All right, now moving on to Sunday Night Football. We have the Bears taking on the Packers. 10-27 um, to 27 final score. Packers coming out on top, winning and covering the spread, just like I predicted. Um, actually, are really good for all these primetime games. Got the correct winner and spread cover for all three. So, okay. Um, anyways, moving on. I think that this Packers team is what they envisioned. Like, tonight, they had an amazing ground game especially Aaron Jones going off, but A.J. Dillon also just being that hammer running guys over. Um, the defense limited the Bears to only 10 points, made sure that they were getting the ball back to their offense and letting them chew the clock. And when they needed a big passing play, you have back-to-back -back MVP Aaron Rodgers 
And yes, these wide receivers are still not incredible, but Rodgers is good enough where he's going to elevate them to at least average. And if this passing attack is at least average and they have a top three ground game and a top three defense, which they still need to prove that they can be top three ground game and top three defense against someone other than the Bears, but this formula can win a lot of games if if it ends up being like that. Secondly, um, for the Bears, a positive takeaway for them is Travis Gibson. He had another good game, and coming off a strong year last year, good week one, four pressures, two sacks here in this game. Um, For the Bears, I think this year is really about finding cornerstone pieces to build your franchise around, and I think you found one here in Travis Gibson. We'll see how much longer Robert Quinn's on this team. So I kind of hope that they do trade him just so we can start seeing him. Okay, how does he act now that he's the number one guy on this defensive line? And he can really, though, still be someone that the Bears can build around. And this defense could come together and be a pretty nice unit. And then once they get wide receivers and offensive linemen, I like the Bears' direction. I don't like their team right now, but I can definitely see a path to success for them at least, which... Maybe earlier I wasn't seeing as much, but now I'm like, okay, okay, I see where, what they're doing here. But one thing I do want to see out of the Bears is I want them to open the, up this offense a bit more for fields. The rushing attack was good today, piling up 180 yards, but they only scored 10 points. Uh, 7 for 11, 70 yards. That was field stat line along with the interception. That's not going to win games in the modern NFL, no matter how much your how good your ground game is. Like, I mean, yeah, occasionally you only have games like last year where Mac Jones throws the ball three times and you win. That's almost never going to happen. It's not a sustainable way to win games. That's a better way of phrasing it. Um, and I don't think it helps Justin Fields develop or even to see, like, at least be like, okay, like, what do we have in him? Because you're going to be bad this year, Chicago. You're going to be able to replace him with C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, if you want. Um, but if you don't know what you have in fields because you're having him drop back 10 times a game, then like you could have an amazing quarterback. Fields has all this potential. He could be a Pro Bowl or even better quarterback, but you don't know that, and you aren't going to know that until you let him show you who he is. And I just don't think that they can waste this year not figuring out who Fields is still scratching their head next year because they're going to be in a position to get either one of the best quarterbacks or someone to help this team be better. And now you obviously you'd rather have fields be this amazing player and then get another blue chip guy to go compliment him than have to ship off fields for a fourth round pick because you drafted CJ Stroud second overall. All right. Now for the first Monday night game, um, Titans at bills builds swallowing 41 to seven. Um, as I said, double win by me. I had the Bills covering and winning another masterclass performance by the Buffalo Bills. Um, they are just unstoppable so far. Even without Gabe Davis, what? <laughs> Even without Gabe Davis, this offense was just absolutely humming, getting whatever they wanted. And this defense is just insane. Like especially this pass rush. Um, Von Miller. Greg Rousseau had an incredible game. They didn't even have Ed Oliver today. Jordan Phillips is having a Buffalo resurgence here. Uh, Boogie Basham is amazing too. Just everything's coming together for this team. And like, yes, it's September, but it's hard to not see this team as the Super Bowl favorite. 
But uh, concerning week all around for the Titans, though, their secondary depth is already being tested. It was tested a lot last year because of all the injuries, and they were able to hold through it. But this year, not looking as good. Um, rookie free agent uh, Trey Avery, he was just getting roasted alive by Stephon Diggs. And that's, I mean, that's to be expected out of UDFA going against one of the best receivers in the league. But yeah, you, you can't win games with having to put Trey Avery out there. And this offense looked hapless once again. Derrick Henry, he looks like a shell of his old self. 13 carries for 25 yards. And how much longer are we going to go through with Ryan Tannehill not being able to elevate these weapons? Uh, another one of those guys in the Derrick Carr, Kirk Hudson's baskets that you need someone special like Malik Willis who is going to be able to take your offense to the next level. And we don't know if Malik Willis is going to be that guy. It's way too early, but he at least has the potential. And when he got in there, I was really hoping that this offense would try passing the ball a bit more, um, test him out and see how he's doing in a real game situation. But it really felt like that they were just trying to get out of this game as quickly as they possibly could, which I don't blame them with like 41 to seven, but therefore Willis really didn't do much out there, but if the Titans season continues to go like this, like they're playing the Raiders next week, who the Raiders, um, but it on paper, the Raiders look like they had the advantage right now. And if the Titans start off 0-3, how many games are they going to have to lose before Tannehill is usurped? And we start seeing the Malik Willis show start a lot sooner than what many people were expecting. And then the final game of the week, Vikings at Eagles in a 7-24 blowout. Um, Eagles covering and winning. Hurts is just, he gets better and better each year. Like, it's it's crazy. You don't see this, like, steady, constant progression. Like, it feels like a Madden player who just absorbs the coaching and the experience. And you see his little level go up, like, every year, every game. Like, even within the years, you see him get better by the end of the year. He's playing, like, a top 10 quarterback right now. Like, flat out, if you disagree, like, that's just factually incorrect. You can't point at the flaws in this game and point at other quarterbacks and be like, oh, yeah, like, through two weeks of the season, he's a top 10 quarterback, or maybe even top five. Like, I'd have to go through it. But, yeah, I don't know. Is he going to finish that by the end of the season be like that? I, I don't think he'll be top five, but I would not be surprised if by the end of the season he's a consensus top 10 quarterback, especially if he keeps playing like this. Second... Uh, the Vikings, they aren't going to be able to win games with Kirk Cousins. This is the third time I'm bringing up one of these quarterbacks, but they just are who they are. And Kirk Cousins just is who he is. He's a good, above-average quarterback who, when you need him, he's not going to be able to step up, and he's a shell of himself. Kirk Cousins, every year, he throws for like 35 touchdowns, 4,000 yards, like uh, only a handful of picks. Normally it's only like three or four. He threw three this game or yeah, he threw three this game. So he'll have a bit more this year, but um, yeah, he, he's just another one of these quarterbacks in prime time, big moments, playoffs. He's not going to be able to get this team where it wants to go. And they're going to be another middling season. Um, this team is going to be too good to draft a quarterback. They, I still think that they have the potential to make the playoffs finish around 9 and 8, 10 and 7, and have like a late teens, early 20s pick. And that's going to be too good to draft a quarterback, but they aren't going to be good enough to win a, win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. So I just don't know where this is heading. And 
unless they try to trade for a quarterback, they're going to need to hit rock bottom before they get back on top of the mountain. And then lastly, this Eagles defense is just thriving. It had 24 pressures, only two sacks, but three picks. Um, there were some justified concerns coming into the week after giving up 35 points to the Lions, but they had an amazing bounce back week. And it helps that this offense, or it helps that the Lions offense definitely looks legit after this showing um, against the Commanders this week. And then the Eagles, Darius Slay having a two interception game, Fletcher Cock, Montez Sweat, not Montez, Josh Sweat having good games, rushing the passer. Just all in all, this Eagles team is a top three NFC team right now. And it's in prime position to make a deep postseason run as long as things keep clicking the way they're clicking. So on the week, that brings me to nine and seven in just straight up games and eight and eight against the spread improvement from last week. And hopefully keep going up from there as we learn more and more about each um, team. Um, Yeah, obviously a lot of surprising down to the wire finishes in this week. Um, Overall, now I am 17, 15 and one on the season and then 14 and 18 against the spread. But enough of looking at recaps. Now moving forwards into the Thursday night bout between the Steelers and the Browns. Browns right now are four and a half point favorites. Um, both of these teams are coming off real close losses. And so which one is going to be able to bounce back? I think a lot of that has to do with the co- coaching and the culture. Um, especially because it's like a divisional game coming off a short week. This is going to be like a nasty physical game. And that Tough, tough to see who's going to come out on top. Uh, I see this as a low-scoring game. The Steelers haven't really shown any ability at all to move the ball on offense. And while the Browns hung up 30 on the Jets last week, it is the Jets. And I don't think that they're going to have the same success against the Steelers' defense. Um, and then lastly, can Trubisky save his job this week? I don't think he has much time as left as a starter. I don't think he's going to make it through the season, especially with the performance we saw from him last week. And after this game, there is a 10-day break because they have like the extra days between playing Thursday and then next Sunday. A 10-day break between this game and then about with the New York Jets. Um, if Trubisky underperforms, this could be a good time to shake up your quarterback, bring in the rookie, get him extra first-team reps before facing off against what's so far been a poor Jets defense. And... Yeah, I don't think Trubisky is going to be able to save this job this weekend. I think it's going to be, a or this Thursday, I think it's going to be a really low-scoring affair. But the Browns will come out on top. Uh, Steelers still covering, just because I don't see a lot of points in this game in general. Something like 17-14, which, yeah, I think that was literally the score. Yeah, that was literally the score of the Patriots-Steelers game this week. Um, and I think something like that's going to happen again. And I know I said the first point was i was looking at coaching and this feels like something better coach would win i do think that tomlin's better coach but there is still the whole talent aspect and the browns are just the more talented team and that's going to show this week all right so that's going to do it for today's episode um if you're on youtube leave a like comment subscribe let me know what you guys think uh, how'd your predictions go and how do you see this upcoming thursday night football match going and yeah, if you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you might be listening to this, leave a five-star review and see you all next time.